Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Break the necks. Trying to creep a little sneak peek. What? You could travel the world. You are listening to Flame On. I am Brian the Bear. I am here to introduce probably one of the coolest things we've ever gotten to do, I certainly have ever gotten to do in comics. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Cap and Tony from Nerdy Show and The Question and I drove all the way up to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we attended Heroes Con, which if you've never heard of it, it's probably one of the coolest comic conventions I've ever, ever heard of or been to. It was cool because it was a lot of comics creators in a not very small but not very large space. And the attendance was, on the first day, not too shabby, but there are lots of down time, down moments to kind of visit with creators. And one of the things we got to do, one of the things that I got to do, was actually moderate a panel with Jonathan Hickman uh, of Fantastic Four, Nightly News, uh, uh Red Mask from Mars, Manhattan Project, Secret. I got to interview him, his two artists for Manhattan Projects and Secret, uh, Nick Patara and Ryan Bodenheim, and their colorist, or rather uh, Secret's colorist, uh, Mike Garland. We did uh, about a 45-minute panel, and I got to moderate it, and it was fantastic. The question was there on the floor, helping answer or helping get questions from the audience. Cap recorded this, and so... Without too much further ado, we'll talk more about our con experience in an upcoming episode, but here is the Jonathan Hickman uh, image panel, all about the Manhattan Projects and Secret, with a little bit of mention of Marvel stuff in there for good measure. So I hope you enjoy, and we will see you back very soon with a whole new flame on. Uh, nightly news, everybody? Anybody? Yeah? Friggin' change... Uh my perspective on certain things and hopefully uh, gave you guys some food for thought. Uh, Red Mask from Mars, for which we have the uh, illustrator here, Mr. Uh, Ryan Bodenheim. Let's see, what else we got? Uh, of course, Red Wing, which, you know, being a fan of Doctor Who and time travel in general, blew my mind and was awesome. Uh, we have Mr. Nicholas Patara here. Yeah, Patera. Patera. Patera, sorry. Wait, it's Patera? Yeah, I screwed my name up. John, John doesn't know my, it's pronounced Patera. That is cool. <laughs> He's called me Patar at forever, never corrected him. Oh, um, that's, that's what it is now. <laughs> and how many of you guys are reading Secret? Yeah? Right? Some of the coolest use of color I've seen in a while. And we have Mike Garland down here on the far left. He is the colorist. 
So, we are, this is the awesome panel. I am Brian, just real quick, from Flame On Show and Nerdy Show. We are at the booth uh, 441 or so. Feel free to come by and say hi. Um, real quick, uh, just so we can talk, we're going to have everybody silence their cell phones, of course. This is the obligatory, you know, don't be that guy or that lady. We, we like our phones. They are amazing tools, but we don't want them distracting. Um, the other thing is I'm this not, is... Uh, I'm not turning my cell phone off. These guys get the exception to that. And then you it's funny. You don't have to turn off your cell phone if you don't want to. I, I kind of dig it. Really? It breaks the ice. Especially if somebody has, like, a great ringer. <laughs> nice. Who's got Van Halen? Me. Nice. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, and this is also predominantly an image panel. So we know, of course, Mr. Hickman is doing some amazing stuff over at Marvel. That is cool, and you can ask questions about it. But we are here, really, to talk about the exciting creator-owned books they're doing. So, you know, feel free to ask questions, but if it gets crazy, we might rein it in. I don't know. So on that note, uh, I'd like to ask first right off the colorist about the use of color in secret because it is one of the coolest things. Now, I've talked to them ahead of time. I'll let them tell you about it, but if you haven't checked it out, uh, actually, I don't know. Mike, do you want to talk about it first and then pass it off to uh, Mr. John? I don't know if I should start. Why not? Um, well... Um, we use this uh, monochromatic color style with it. Well, duo, to, it's, you know, one to two colors per page. But the actual color sets were provided to me by John. I don't know if I'm spoiling the secret. That shouldn't be spoiled. Get it? I think you should. Secret. I think you should take the credit and get some more jobs. Or something. <laughs> Matt Fraction did tell me my world was beautiful today. So there you go. That's pretty awesome. But yeah, um, I don't know. The idea was for it to be. The idea was for it to be like really super moody, and I think Michael's done a phenomenal job of making it feel that way. I think it's a really unique, and I think it's looks a lot different uh, than a lot of books out there. And I, I think it's uh, think it think it's a neat 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 little book all the way around. Um, what, John? What what was your? So you wanted to make it very atmospheric and sort of set a mood with it. Is that what kind of gave you the idea to do that? Very kind of you know. The colors for different yeah things. I think so I mean uh, you know we talked about it a, a bit I mean I, I would say that uh, of all the goals that we we talked a lot about uh, wanting it to be uh, really moody and, and a lot of people associate that with being very black uh, you know very noir very heavily shadowed and that kind of stuff and Ryan um, uh, is it fair to say that's just not in you know that's not I was pretty insistent to not do right. blacks on that book Right. Because I didn't want it to have the noir look. Yeah, you didn't want it to look like you, you didn't want people to look at it and immediately kind of kind of snap to that, oh, this is one of those kind of books. Right. Right, yeah. And and so we had it's not necessarily. Right, right, because it's not. No, absolutely not. And and so the idea was that we uh we accomplish it in a different way and so we did it with a really neat color set and Michael's executing it beautifully and um we're really happy with it. Yeah. It's- one of the it stands out to me off the shelf. Just one of the coolest books that's using color in ways that a lot of books aren't. So if you're not reading, you should. Um, the other, of course, cool image book they got going on right now is Manhattan Projects, plural. Um, when you, John, when you were thinking about you know the the story and you know how much you wanted to do that was fictional and non-fictional and all that, what's I mean the story is like driving that is are you trying to reel in certain historical events to kind of anchor it or you know what's your process with telling this? interesting take on uh, history 
Okay, so so Manhattan Projects is a, a story about what if the secret project to build an atomic bomb was a cover for more other stranger, cooler secrets, and um, and and what the book is is it is not a alt history telling of of what would happen to these guys if events were different. It's not it's not um, what would Einstein do if he was in this scenario? It's a book about what if these guys that were these uh, super intellects and, and these amazing uh, uh, men who changed the world, uh, what if they weren't? What if they weren't good people generally, but but very, very bad people? And that that's the story of the Manhattan Projects. It's not an alt-history book. It's an alt-dude book, sort of. <laughs> so. And shenanigans ensue, right? So when you were uh, developing this, uh, Nicholas, uh, when you were writing, or I'm sorry, drawing this, um, I heard you talking earlier about some of the things you would, like, root the characters when you would, you would see what they actually looked like and then go from there as a departure. Uh, I think, talk a little bit, was it Von Braun that had the robot arm? Was that? Uh... Yeah, that was Jonathan's idea. So Warner Von Braun, uh, he was from Operation Paperclip. The, he was originally a Nazi, and I guess one of the first pictures of him whenever we got him uh, he had a big cast on his arm. So Jonathan said, you know, we'll give him a big robot arm. And uh, everything kind of spins off of, like, really silly, fun stuff like that. It's all grounded and all heady and cool because it's Jonathan. But And then my art's kind of quirky and weird and just kind of pulls it together. So, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of truth behind everything. I actually w- watched a documentary on Oppenheimer. And uh, I said he used to go trips on the desert. And issue one, he made me draw a panel of him on the desert, on the horseback. And then I was like, oh, man, that's why he made me do that. Just thought he wanted me to draw something really boring. He wanted a horse. Yeah, he really likes horses. So, But, yeah, everything's kind of grounded and then just kind of an insane take on little things like that. So it's really fun. And they're both ongoing titles, correct? Uh, yeah, ours is ongoing. As long as it keeps gaining readership, I'm going to keep drawing it. So. Sweet. Well, yeah. there's a big difference between the two. Uh, Manhattan Projects is ongoing in the sense that there is no end, right? Secret is a story that, that's a spy, espionage kind of thriller. And stories like that at some point kind of demand an ending or else readers just get really irritated. You guys get pissed, let's be honest. Um, and so at some point, Secret will want an ending and we'll, we'll, we'll deliver that. Uh, but right now, the, the books are just chugging along fine. Fantastic. Um, what, uh, I, I, this is one of these questions I know everybody always asks, but it's really fascinating to me. I'd like to know a little bit about your influences, uh, both uh, visually, particularly, actually all of you visually, because I know, John, you're a former, uh, was it visual designer? Is that what the industry called? I don't know what your exact title was, but. Corporate. Award. Corporate <laughs> illustrator monkey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Talk about some of the design influences you have, maybe you know, other artists or uh, architecture, whatever whatever your influence are. I, I'm just fascinated to know, and I think a lot of people are kind of interested. And let's start with Nick here. Uh, for me, um, I got into comics. Should I be talking into this like that? Yeah, you're good. All right. For me, I got into comics because uh, uh, Frank Quietly's artwork. I checked out The Authority. My stuff's very Frank Quietly, like Mobius-driven. And so from there, I just loved how gestural and organic it was. And from there, I just fell in love with uh, all the Mobius guys, Seth Fisher and Jeff Darrow and all those artists. And uh, I don't know, there's something, there's like an honesty to it and the lack of blacks and stuff. Uh, it's all kind of form-driven. And I think when you work in that kind of detail and you're that gestural, you can just pick on like nuances of character, whether they're they're slumped over or like Frank quietly draws that big fat Superman. And when you work out, the strongest guys are these big fat looking dudes, and it's it's really cool to me how um, honest his work read. And so my art is like a mix of those guys with my own shortcomings and 
kind of mixed in and it's kind of quirky and it works for the book I think so that's my background as far as influences go what, what, what are yours? I don't know if I have any anymore. Um, who, who did you like? Originally, Jim Lee, like a lot of guys. You're goddamn right. And <laughs> I don't think there's any trace of that left in there. Um, I don't know. I think from there I went to like Michael Turner and then a lot like uh, Nick's List. I think we all kind of have the same taste when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. Just a lot of open line work like Frank Whiteley and uh, Jeff Darrow. And uh, I never actually saw Mobius until lately. Mm. Yeah. I'm ashamed yeah, to say. Either. I mean, I've seen his stuff, but I only really got into his stuff relatively recently. Well, what, what, what do you like coloring wise? Uh, coloring wise, uh, well, for this book, I think the biggest influence for me is just all the film noir movies I watch, which is funny because you mentioned that you didn't want to give it a, little, a noir look, but like I try to give it those really heavy-handed shadows that noir has. No, 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 that, all that works, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, as far as comics go, I mean, it's anyone who's really good. Like Val Staple stuff on Criminal, I love. Uh, Laura Martin is just the best at what she does. Dean White is probably my single, my is my biggest coloring influence, even though I color nothing like him. No, no, Dean's got some game, no doubt. Yeah, it's intimidating. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I like I like whatever's trendy at the moment, graphic design wise. Um, uh, I like really clean, clean stuff as far as that. Art-wise, I like you know Sergio Topi and like European guys and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, but, you know, I draw very little now. So. Yeah, but you can definitely tell your early stuff that you drew. I mean, it had a real distinct feel, and and I mean, again, it's like nothing else on the shelf, and that always what what stood out to me certainly about your work. So. Um, what about writing influences? I, I, I think one time I've actually met you at Megacon. I said you remind me of Gene Wolfe, but who are your like, who are your writers that you really like that you don't draw inspiration from, but you may have found formative? Oh well, I mean in comics it's the obvious guys, right? It's the three best guys, probably Allen and uh, Grant, obviously, and and then some of the poetic stuff that Neil did whenever he was doing doing that. But uh, um. I like a lot of the self-referential, you know, really, really clever stuff that, like, Matt does, Fraction does whenever he's doing, like, Casanova. And, um, you know, traditionally, though, books, you know, science fiction and stuff like that, I'm a big Frank Herbert guy, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's pretty much, um, I don't know, I think he's the best science fiction writer ever, but, you know. All the great ones are dead now, so yeah, right. it's kind of like everybody's everybody's relatively good. They're not going to fight anytime soon. <laughs> that might make a good comic, though. You say you say <laughs> that, and I'm already there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's the best Dune book in your opinion, then? God Emperor of Dune. Yes. So, All right. Good. Good. So. Good. That's awesome. So, uh, obviously, this isn't my show. I want you guys to have some questions. Uh, does anyone have any? Feel free to raise your hand. We have a guy that actually. We have the question from our Flame On show down here, and he is going to come to you if he can. Or, or uh, you can come up here because this isn't stretched that short? far. His leash is, leash is short today. So. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, for John, what you already have like some notable historical figures like Einstein and Oppenheimer in your books. Are there any others that are going to make an appearance? That... 
anytime soon? Uh, issue five is four is out next week. Five is already pretty much done. I think issue six you'll see Yuri Gagarin um, uh, and some other Russian guys. Um, but yeah, obviously, I, I was thought really seriously about putting the Bilderberg people in there, but I thought for sure we would get sued for that. You know, really? Oh yeah, yeah. I think those guys would sue us. I mean, Einstein's cool because he's dead. He can't sue you, right? Because it's all satire. But putting live dudes in there, I don't know, man. Yeah, that, that seems to be a little <laughs> beyond the, our normal bad taste. So. Well, you got the Masons in there, and they haven't come after you yet, so that's good. Yeah, but everybody makes a Masons joke. That's kind of part of the mystique. They're okay with that. But uh, Who else has got a question? And you don't have to come up to the mic. You can just yell shit out. Yeah, it's a pretty too. small room. Then I have no purpose. I would prefer. <laughs> well, you look really cool with that mic. You look really cool with that mic, though. I don't know if you can answer this uh, too honestly, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, John, the uh, publishers that you work for are very different, and and they're, I'm sure both have their strengths and their weaknesses. But at the end of the day, do you find the you know image path that you're on very more rewarding, or do you find it to be pretty much the same amount of reward in terms of your creative uh, uh, obligations? I mean, do you, do you like working for both pretty equally, or? Well, you're asking if what, do I like Marvel. But better than image or image yeah, better. Which is more it's, it's it's really two completely different things. Um, I, I, and there's a certain amount of gratitude. I mean, I would not have a, a job if if image had not published my first book, Nightly News. I mean, I, I just wouldn't have got any of the Marvel work. Uh, but but certainly, uh, Marvel has uh, gone out of their way to uh, promote me and 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 push my books and. That's one of the reasons why when we launch an image book now, like Manhattan Projects with Nick or, or Secret with Ryan, that they do very well. Uh, it's because people know that I'm going to put in a, a, a good effort and they know that I'm going to work with talented people and, and there's a certain amount of quality there. So it, it's, I think they, 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 uh, they you know, certainly help each other. As far as the, which one is more rewarding, I mean, one, uh, I own what I do. So, of course, that's infinitely more more gratifying. Um, but Marvel's a fantastic place to work. I mean, it really is. I mean, there's a lot of really smart people that work there. So, um, I don't know. How many of you guys are trying to get into the business, want to get published, all that jazz? Anybody? Yeah. Um, it's a tricky time. Uh, because of, of kind of how markets contracting a little bit, and I mean the economy is obviously what it is, and so um, that is the beautiful thing about doing uh, image books is that they'll they'll publish your stuff, and you know you may it may not do uh, gangbusters out of out of out of the out of the gate, um, but people will pick up those books and people will talk about them. Um, Nightly News, my first book, which I got all of my work off of. Uh, only sold like 5,000, 6,000 copies the first issue, and then after that it went down to three or 4,000 copies for the remaining five issues. And um, that is not, when you add in your printing costs and all that kind of stuff, you know, that, that's not great money. But everything I got after that well, was off of those books. So it's, it's definitely a, the, it remains the best avenue in. Go ahead. What are your 
How do you like your stuff? I love it. Um, I, I've always been pretty much behind digital, but that's what I read. Um, but I just think it's something that there's there's a lot of fighting, it seems like, with people who can't imagine anything other than print. Um, but I think they can both coexist. Um, I just I love digital because it all looks the way it was supposed to look. Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of blown away. Ryan showed me he's got a new iPad. I, I, are they calling it iPad three, or are they just um, calling it iPad with Retina display? What whatever. Um, it, it looks amazing. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen like comics on the new one, but the resolution is incredible, and I mean, it, it it's definitely a phenomenal experience, much better than than the first couple versions. And I thought those were were very usable. Um, were you were you really asking what about like breaking in by doing like a web comic? Is that kind of what you were saying? Um, well. Um, you know, in terms of how the market is shifting, I mean, we're seeing more and more and more people, our digital numbers continue to creep up um, to the point where they're now significant. I mean, it's not it's not a, a, a minuscule, it's not the 3% that they were the first year. You know, it's much higher than that, especially, it's especially um, uh, more significant with the image books so far because a lot of stores don't order heavy on those and they sell out very quickly, but they have phenomenal word of mouth. And so people go and grab them online um, through the through the store. But um, I know that if it would have been around during nightly news, like, for example, uh, our print runs were set for the first couple of issues. And if we'd had digital around then, uh, I know that we would have been over ten, twelve thousand copies because I mean everybody was talking about that book when it first came out, so um, which was great. Have you looked at uh, Have you looked at your stuff on there yet? Yeah, um, I, I downloaded it on the phone and I thought it sucked, but then uh, on the iPad, uh, Ryan showed me last night. It looked really good. It looked better than in print. It looked incredible, and uh, so I like that. And I think digital is necessary just because. People growing up now, five, six, seven-year-olds, they have leapfrogs, these children's e-readers. And if, they're, if you're consuming media on that growing up, it's going to be as awkward as reading an iPad to someone who's read books their whole life, uh, handing them a book. So you're going to have to make that jump. I, th- I think it's completely necessary. And like John said, the numbers uh, are significant. A lot of my friends that work at Image, they get really good royalty checks off their, their thing. So if it's another avenue, especially to reach readers that there's not a comic shop in every city, you know? So uh, I think it's important. I think it's necessary. I don't know if I enjoy it as much as the paper. I think I still like the paper more. But uh, I think it's pretty neat. I think the colors look better on it, too. So it's pretty cool. Uh, only, only if the market determined that that was now the revenue stream, the, the primary revenue stream. I mean, it would be foolish for, for any of us up here to do that because, I mean, we're selling anywhere from you know, 17 to 20-something thousand copies of a book a month. I mean, we're, we're breaking the top 100 on both these books. I mean, so it's not um, – we're doing fine, you know. Uh, so the, the system as it is right now is working for us perfectly, perfectly, perfectly fine. But, um, you know, if we wake up a year from now or two years from now and the entire – you know, and everything has gone iTunes – 
all the books are 99 cents and our and our marketplace is now 5 million customers as opposed to 500,000 then yeah i mean i don't i don't care i mean i i i tell stories i'm not in it for the paper right although we did get new matte paper it on is our nice. books and it's really nice, nice. <laughs> it's well the other thing is um, like i don't necessarily see print ever going away cuz itunes is the most popular way to get music now but they still sell cd's every kind of format that's been digitized the analog version of it is still around it's not gone it's just they sell less of them yeah but the, you know that's neat that's we're, we're, that that's us becoming a niche of a niche market well, you, know, yeah. you know so it's like uh it would be vinyl stores niche, which is which is which is really you know which is really cool but you know not not a not a way to survive what would, would you have I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't follow that. Said. Mark is probably right. I think there's no getting away from it. Um, I am a little bit opposed to sanctioning it as as good in the good versus evil scale of things um, because it's not. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't swim against the current either. So uh, my stuff is uh, downloaded and and. and at, at phenomenal rates. I mean, our, our you know, I, I, I twittered the other day that uh, I twittered. You know, <laughs> such a, such an asshole phrase. <laughs> that uh, somebody like uh, posted. Uh, you know, you know, you do the the follows thing, and it tells you whenever somebody uses your at. You know, asshole, right? Um, you know, but somebody included my handle in the torrent link to to our indie books, and I was like, yeah, "That's just bad karma for that person. They're gonna they're gonna die in like a car wreck." <laughs> but uh, it, but you know, beyond being mildly irritating, it didn't, it doesn't bother me. I don't think about it because we're we're doing um, within the system we're we're doing about as well as we can do. I think. Marvel's got a lot more really elaborate kind of shenanigans they pull with the torrent people that's really fascinating that, you know, I can't talk about. But, um, you know, it is what it is, right? It's like uh, world hunger. It sucks. What are you going to do? You're still going to eat your dinner. You know? Well, I will admit... To not eating my dinner. <laughs> I mean, I'm 24, and I really got into comics in college. I mean, I was a comic book fan when I was a kid, but not, like, a hardcore collector. And I don't pirate anymore, but when I was in college, like, I wouldn't be, A, doing this right now if it wasn't for pirating comics or buying the 10 to 20 comics a month that I do buy because a friend of mine just handed me the entire Ultimate Marvel Universe on a 
DVD and was like, here, read this, and I skipped classes for a week, and I caught up on, like, a hundred issues of Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man. That just means you read slow, guys. <laughs> well, that was banned every other series in the Ultimate. Exactly. So uh, there you go. There's, there's, the, there's the plus. We got Michael. Speaking of, of Mark Wade, he has that uh, Luther comic and Marvel Infinite where it's a digital-only format that wouldn't even work on print. Have any of you uh, looked into that or thought of pursuing that as a way to get your stories out there? It doesn't make sense for us to do digital-only stuff right now. I mean, beyond... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Beyond the, the the fascination with just fucking around with it, um, and and we'll do that. I mean, we do we experiment with stuff all the time, and I'm not saying that we won't. But uh, as a model, um, you know, I'm busy, and and I'm I don't have a lot of free time, and and right now I have responsibilities to these guys and to uh, to Marvel, and uh, and I still owe a. Uh, feel better now trade to everybody <laughs> exactly so oh, yeah. as the one pre-order we had <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding it was more than that no I pre-ordered feel better now oh <laughs> <laughs> nice I do really like what Mark Wade is doing just in terms of format um, I remember the thing he's linked to a bunch of times is like this random flash EVNR page with a guy named Malak I remember randomly stumbling across that in college and just being like, this is an incredible experience. There's something about, I mean, I've had arguments where it's it's not comics with friends of mine, and maybe they're right, but there's something about that cutting from one panel to the next that creates this momentum that reading a comic doesn't have for me. And it's definitely a different experience, and I love comics traditionally, but I am very attracted to that cutting panels format for some reason. I like the... <clears throat> Yeah, the uh, word balloon's not covering the art. Yeah. That was groundbreaking. Did you guys see that Nova story, the AVX uh, yeah. thing? Yeah. That, that, yeah, the transitions and the, the use of the different backgrounds, I mean, that seems to open up storytelling possibilities that are... My one problem with that, and Mark Wade, I think, mentioned it in a blog post, though, is that, I mean, I read it on Comixology. I don't know if it's different on Marvel app, but it fades between panels. It doesn't cut, which yeah. doesn't create that same momentum that yeah. I was talking about. I think it's a little weaker for that, but I, I, I loved it. I mean, it was interesting. Anybody else have any questions? Yes. Now you can come right out and answer it. But is there any chance that some of these uh, series might be a little more interconnected than they appear on the surface? You're talking about is secret, like, se- secretly? Re- secret has its origins in the Manhattan Project? Or no, no, no. I'm not. I, I'm not. 
I'm not doing. I'm not doing that in this. I'm not. I'm not doing that in this. I know you're asking that because everything that I do at Marvel has got these little tangential relationships. And all. Yeah, but the real answer lies in picking up copies to Red Mask from Mars. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, all the covers make a big dollar sign, right? Um, I do a lot of that stuff at Marvel, just kind of like a. a yeah, yeah, to entertain myself. Yeah, there's some of that in there. Uh, but I, I also do a lot of it because it makes it all feel like it's kind of part of uh, my little universe inside of that big universe. And I think people kind of dig that. Yeah. Um, I, and I could be wrong. It's just it's just one of those things that you just try and do to make it a little bit more yours when you're working on things that aren't yours, right? Um so I got a question. What have, uh, are there any future plans for uh, Pax Romana or Red Wing? I think we're done with Red Wing, aren't we? Yeah, I just want to work on Manhattan Projects. I'll, I'll Tell them how long. Tell them how long you want to work on Manhattan Projects. I don't know. Long, like, what was it? Eight years? Twenty years? I don't know. A long time. But I, like, he's, got, he's got like 240 issues left. He's yeah, it's good. Nice. We got we got a lot of cool stuff. That was coming. the ten-year plan. Twenty-five trades. Yeah, something like that. Well, eventually those living people won't be living anymore. This is true. I did put the Red Wing helmet in, in Grove's office, and Hickman deleted it. So, yeah, it's definitely not inter- interconnected. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Every year when people die, we look through the list to see who's interesting. So, <laughs> stick in the nice. book. So, uh, I don't. I don't know. Pax one day maybe, but but we're, we're, I think we're done with Red Wing. I think we're happy with with what we did there, and and um, you know we're just going to do Manhattan projects for a while now. Awesome. Anybody else? Who else got a question? Yeah, right here. Um, I've heard you have notebooks, John, like just labyrinthine drawings and yeah, I'm I'm a little little dysfunctional in the way that I can kind of kind of keep all that stuff straight in my head. But um, you know, like like with Marvel, all the Fantastic Four stuff. Like I knew that whole story, like from day one. I mean, very little of that was ad libbed, right? So that's a three year run, and I I just knew it, right? Um, um, see, uh, um, Secret is more like that. Than Manhattan projects like Secret, I, I know where we're ending up. Um, Manhattan projects, I'm intentionally for the first time ever not doing that. Like I'm, I'm trying to intentionally not work ahead. Like I, I'm, I'm conscious. I'm like I know when I uh, do something with a certain character that I'm going to come back to it at some point. That's just that's just craft stuff. But for the first time ever, I'm not. Knowing, I, I, I'm intentionally not already working towards a predetermined conclusion. Does that make sense? Um, so, so yeah, I'm not keeping it straight in my head on this one. Who, who knows what's going to happen? Plus, you couldn't because I would derail it because I draw like really quirky stuff and write them. I, I draw them into corners with his writing. So nice. Well, that that is true. Uh, Nick and I are working kind of a lot more like old school Marvel style on Manhattan projects than, than, than we are working straight script. Uh, he, he's, uh, there's a little bit of jazz in there. Right. 
Yeah, it's cool. It's it is it's it feels really collaborative. It's cool because like if I want to try something, Hickman will write something cool. Whereas if I try to do it, it would be very literal, and he makes it smart. So it's a good mix of like me being awkward with the art, and then the writing is strong. So uh, it really feels collaborative and cool. So. Um, speaking of Fantastic Four, um, I am enjoying the, the the series so far, and I'm looking forward to how it's going to end. Um, I know that last year everyone bashed at you for killing off Johnny Storm, but then recently you brought him back. Was that like part of this question? Was it your intention to bring him back like that to kind of like make us think he's dead? But knowing comic book world, too, they have a tendency of resurrecting characters back from the dead. Like, did you already know he was coming back? Yeah, all that was in my initial pitch. Okay. You know, all, all of that stuff, how he comes back. The only thing that I had in the pitch that we did not get to do was, uh, you know how Ben became, uh, like, human? Yes. Right? And and he had that week, and then he got to bang his girlfriend finally. <laughs> she, she was going to get pregnant. Uh, Alicia Masters was going to get pregnant, and Ben was going to be a dad. And she was going to be delivering the baby when all the world-ending stuff was happening right. at the end, right? Okay. And, and and when Johnny came back, all of that stuff would tie into it. Exactly. It was. It was. So, that's the only thing. That's the only thing they told me that I, I could not do. Okay. Um, because because we we want Marvel is very interested in not aging the characters, okay. and, and they think that giving a character a kid mm-hmm. or marrying characters and stuff like that is. It complicates the intellectual property, okay. and, the, and they're right about that. But it's one of those things where I was, I was like, kind of bummed because it would have been pretty cool. Right. So, and so how do you intend to end the story? Like, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> how am I going to end the story? Like, on a very satisfactory note. I feel. I, I'm going to be. Yes, you're going to love it. Extremely <laughs> underwhelming. And on my last question. Um, for Manhattan Project, what direction will you continue going down with the story? Like, do you, do you intend to just keep making it so big, or will there be more secrets that will be revealed as it keeps, as it keeps going? Because well, I, I know that you don't want to end it right now, so... Well, yeah, no, I mean, things are going to continue to evolve, and we're not going to know, you know, entirely where it's going, but the, our, and our entire goal is to give you a satisfying chunk in every issue and tell you the a, a complete story in that one issue while building towards other stuff and um, and and hopefully making it the most fun book on the market. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. It's supposed to be fun, you know, and evil. But evil, evil and fun, right? So, thank you. Oppenheimer's going to eat an alien's brain at some point. Oh. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Will that cause it, the alien to be one of his personalities or something? No. Is that how he transfers it? <laughs> We're working on it, maybe. Over there. How hard is it to keep the big from getting secrets out of my head? Nick thinks that nobody's going to love him if he doesn't tell them special, special, special information, and so and so and so Nick is is a um, Nick is um, what is what is that? Uh, what's the philosophical? Uh, no, not not like. Liability. I like that. <laughs> You're what's bringing us down. Now. I like it. I like it. Nick is Nick is like uh, Nick is. This is like the second book that Nick has ever done, and he's so excited. And that's that's the joy of working with Nick. He's like he's he gets up every day, and he's like a rabbit. He's so jacked to get drawing, and 
and it's uh, just everything is fun and everything is awesome and he wants to talk about everything and he wants everybody to know what's going on and he's like a kid at Christmas. That's what it's like. It's like yeah. a kid at Christmas. Yeah. I'm excited to see how they're going to keep the going. Oh, I think it's a mistake to think that megalomaniacs want to stay in the closet. I'm excited. Yeah. I'll just ask Nick. I'll tell you. What's the difference between Ryan and Nick? Well, one has a, a very one is very well endowed, the other is not. Nice. <laughs> um, that's so awful. So awful. Um, Ask no. John why he knows. Yeah, exactly. It's different. You would think that mass and weight would not be. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, so um, that's a volume joke, dude. Um, Let's see. Uh, working with Ryan is, is well. Working with both of them is wonderful. It's why I'm working with both of them. Um, you know, the, the thing about it is, uh, working with Nick makes me feel like a kid. You know, it makes me really excited to work on the book, and um, uh, it just makes me smile. You know, just talking about it. I mean, it's just a it's just a shitload of fun, and I mean, I I, I absolutely uh, love working with him. I've I've loved Nick's stuff since the first time I saw it. I've been I have been Nick's biggest champion. Yes, I've only worked with John, and he actually got my first job. In I try, I've tried to. He was initial. He Nick pitched to be the initial artist on Shield over at Marvel. Like the, he's got pitch pages for that that are amazing. Um, I. Yeah, obviously we were fortunate to get Dustin Weaver on the book, but I mean I've pushed Nick for everything that I've done because um, I just love working with him, um, and so that that's what working with Nick is like. Working with Ryan is entirely different than that. Um, Opposite. <laughs> uh, Ryan is a is a is a craft junkie, and he's interested in everything being meticulous and perfect, and. Um, He's always like like I'll tell Nick some insane shit that we're gonna do, and he'll be like, "That sounds awesome," and I tell Ryan that some insane shit that we're gonna do, and he's gonna be like, "All right, well, I'm not sure if that works with this and this and this and this," and I'm like, "All right, fine, you're right on one of those points, and I concede, but I would rather you be more excited and just, just <laughs> and just just do what I say." And and so Ryan, working with Ryan makes makes uh, a, a, for a better craft crafted story. You know, and so, um, like, I think we're producing two really good books. I do. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm super excited about both of them, and I, I'm, I feel super privileged. Um, but yeah, it's radically different. It's radically different, and it's the same thing across like Marvel books too. Working with those guys is is the guys that I work with at Marvel is each one is a completely different experience. So. I have a question. What happened uh, in terms of the production of Shield? Was that a uh, Marvel? I, no, no, that was that was that was Marvel. Is um, you know they're a machine, and they have to produce seventy books a month, and 
One of the things that they do is they started a year and a half ago deciding that it was better business to produce more issues of books that sold really well as opposed to a bunch of miniseries and stuff like that, which is why you stop seeing oh, sorry. Which is why you stop seeing a bunch of like Namor miniseries and what whatever whatever miniseries were out there and you started seeing overships of Uncanny X Force. You know, instead of twelve issues a year you got sixteen issues a year and stuff like that. And so that drastically increased the work on the people that wrote those books. And so I went from having, and, and for me it was even worse, I went from having a Fantastic Four book to having two Fantastic Four books. So I went from 12 issues to 24, which I could do that. That was no big deal. Um, but then they also decided to do AVX, and I was going to be involved in that. And, and, and they just literally said, you know, Jonathan, y- y- your workload is, is too much. Um, and th- they don't care about the image stuff. I mean, they don't care if I fuck that up. They, they care about their their trains running on time, which is their their prerogative. Uh, but they said, um, you know, basically that that I, I had to change my schedule, and so we bumped Shield. Shield got bumped because of like AVX and double shipping, and then it's taken us a little while to get back to it. But Dustin Weaver's drawing drawing it right now, and they're not going to solicit it until five and six are done. But I've got pages in for five, and it's gorgeous. So. Uh, Dustin's really, really something else. There's no doubt about that. So over here. So how many titles do you have going on? Everything? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm done with AVX. AVX six. I only did uh, Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker and myself are doing two issues each, and then Jason Aaron and Brian Bendis are doing three. So that equals twelve, maybe. Right? Um, it does. Yes. Uh, and my issues were four and six, and so I'm, I'm I'm actually finished with AVX now, so I don't have to worry about that. And I actually only have three more issues of Fantastic Four to write, and then I'm done with that. Um, and I have another issue of Shield to write, and then I'm done with that. Uh, and so, really, right now, beyond uh, Manhattan Projects in Secret, I only have one other thing that I'm working on. I can't say what that is. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it, it, Marvel's been a grind lately for everybody that writes there because you're running, you're doing five different art teams because books are double shipping and they're shipping out of order, and or you're writing out of order, and so it's really, really difficult. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, that's what it's been like lately. But uh, I talk to Ryan and Nick as much as I can. I talk to Nick more than I talk to Ryan because uh, once. Brian's in his right. You don't want to be bothered, right? You turn your phone off, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just he needs complete quiet. You listen to music, right? Uh, yeah, just pretty much yeah. try to get as much silence or music as possible. Rush, rush, nice. Rush, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. I think me and John talk like two times, two three times a week. I like getting the feedback when I turn stuff in, and uh, I need that positive reinforcement and stuff. It's always cool. And I work really late, and he works late too. So uh, we know we're up, and if I'm bored, it's cool. So, uh, and uh, I'm, you know, when you say you're about to turn some pages in, when he's waiting on pages, and you say, I'm about to turn them in, so then 
you know that's not going to be for another 24 hours. So then when he calls you, you're like, I just forced myself to answer uh, no matter what. So, uh, But it's cool. Always a good conversation, fun. And he always is giggling because he knows I'm really tired or whatever. Because you're lying. Because yeah. you're lying. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm like, now it's to the point where I say, oh, I'm going to give it to you in a few hours. He just laughs. He's like, okay. <laughs> so tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> what music do you listen to, Nick? When you're drunk, um, I like um, it's a lot of different music now because we, I work so much. But my favorite artists are like Jim Croce. I don't know, he's like old school guy. Sure, and he's a storyteller. He's really good. And then uh, I like Elliot Smith too. He's an indie rock guy. It was, it was really oh, cool. Those are my two favorites. They're, all dead. Like, yeah. they're <laughs> all dead. You get it? Mike, what do you uh, who do you like to listen to? And you? Uh, I don't usually listen to music when I color or draw for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as far as music goes, Tom Waits is my absolute favorite musician. And then most of my taste kind of goes out from there in various ways. John, other than Van Halen, who else are you? Oh, anything uh, <laughs> Go-Go's or Belinda Carlisle related. Uh, I like uh, <laughs> Depeche Mode. Nice. Madonna. Sweet. Listen to a lot of Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fu- I'm fucking around. Wow. <laughs> I cannot believe that she tied Michael Jackson's record for most number one singles on a single album. Oh. Very angry to hear Wait, that. you can't believe Katy Perry did that? Yeah. I don't know. She seems like a lot of fun. You know? She seems like she's having it. Nah, she seems like she's having a good time. She's excited. She's jumping around. She's singing. Exactly. There's something to that. I listen to a lot of soundtracks, like yeah. movie soundtracks and stuff like that. What's your favorite soundtrack in the last year? In the last year? Yeah. Like, oh, you mean what I've listened to the most yeah, the last yeah. year? Okay. Um, well, everybody played the shit out of that Drive soundtrack, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not counting that, um, you know, I still listen to that uh, Gladiator soundtrack yeah, a lot I'm because that was Dead Can't Dance. Mm-hmm. and uh, um, I like the soundtrack to, uh, to Sunshine a whole lot. So Underworld, yeah. right, right. The Tron soundtrack. I listen to the shit out of the Tron. Yeah. Oh, that's one. The, the Tron Tron movie was the most was the most heartbreaking experience that I've ever had in a movie. <laughs> like, like, I don't understand why that wasn't the greatest movie ever, and it just wasn't. It and has the best soundtrack. Ever. Yes, I just don't. I, I just don't understand. You said it was good the day it came out. I went and saw it the third time, and then it, <laughs> and all the, all the polish went off of it. So that's great. It is a great kids movie, though. My, like my kid, my kid will watch it, and he's like, "Dad, they're getting ready to throw the lights frisbees at each other." Watch, you, watch this. Have you shown him the original? Yeah, but man, uh, you know, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, then, in that case, so who's your favorite music composer of all time? For me, it's John Williams or Hans Zimmer. My favorite music composer? Who's your favorite music composer of all time? Yeah, all four of you. Uh, I have every John Williams soundtrack, so nice. I'd probably have to go with John Williams. Even some really... In- I have Did- Space Camp on soundtrack. Oh. So then- <laughs> now see, Space Cowboys... My music goes deep. Space Cowboys, now there's a movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. I love that movie. You, get, you, you write... You you uh, you do a movie with a bunch of old dudes hanging out. It's, I'm I'm there. <laughs> uh, did Hans Zimmer do the Time Machine soundtrack? No. Oh, no. Who did that? So you gotta say that. I think you're wrong. I don't think it's him. Huh? 
Okay. I like that. That's give a great me, Give me more of that. You did do the soundtrack time from Inception, I thought that's what you were going to say. No. Nick? You don't me? care, do you? I don't listen to soundtrack stuff. Mm. Uh, that. I don't watch television. What's a television? No, I like that. The last song, I think, I like that Drive song. The, the song, the Bruce Springsteen song from The Wrestler was a good oh, song. yeah. And then I like that one, uh, what's his face, that the dude, the dude, the country, country thing. Oh. Yeah. You talking about Crazy Heart? Yeah, I like that. Oh, I like that song a lot. Jeff Bridges. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so those are the, the only soundtrack songs I think. You know, that was album. actually Colin Farrell singing in that movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I heard it really that. Was. It really was. Wow. We got a little bit more time. Anybody else have any questions? Somebody asked me more about Colin Farrell. I could talk about him all <laughs> Really? So are you excited about... Yeah. I don't know. I'll go see it. Yeah. No, I said I would go see it. Oh, I'll totally Farrell. go see it. Yeah. I mean, how do you not go see something yeah. that... I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that have... Uh, what's her name from Underworld in it? Oh, back in I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Josh, Look, the only reason why I... Do what? And John Cho wearing Michael Sheen's outfit from Tron Legacy. Okay. <laughs> you guys have seen oh, it? Yeah. You guys have seen in Bruges, right? Yeah, that's the See? best. There you go. That's that's my uh, Colin Farrell. That's the, you're like you watch that movie and you're like, holy shit, he can actually he can act like like really really well. Yeah. And then they killed a midget. <laughs> Would you say, uh, is, is, is that, a, like, Philip K. Dick is a great sci-fi writer. Is that one of the stories you like of his, or do you have any pra- favorites of uh, his? Oh, I don't know. I mean, isn't Blade Runner a Philip K. Yeah, Dick? Yeah, Android's dream. Right, so I guess Blade Runner, right? Yeah. It's Blade Runner. Another great soundtrack, too. Anybody else? We got about one more question, or maybe two here, yeah. I think that would be really cool. Brian really wants a movie. Brian wants a movie deal. <laughs> you do want a movie deal? I don't want to work in movies, though. Oh, well, yeah, you, you don't want to be a storyboard artist. You would hate that. That would drive I would absolutely hate that. I love comics. <sighs> I just, it's. I don't know, man. I got to tell you, that stuff is all, like, uh, completely different once you kind of get into it. Like, you read a draft of, like, some screenwriter adapting one of your things. Like, I read a draft of Nightly News, and it was a fucking abortion. I mean, it was awful. And you read it, and you're like, I don't want anyone to see this or have anything to do with it. I mean, it's just... All that stuff for it to be enjoyable, I think, has to be perfect. You know, or, or a big check, right? Big check. <laughs> there are boobs that want it. So. Um, I remember last year I asked you about the possibility of a... I know that they're trying to reboot Fantastic Four and, and that you mentioned you take the check and they did the Future Foundation, but I don't know. Any other particular story of yours, like would you want Manhattan Project or Secret Wars to one day be a movie? And if you could, what kind of direction could you view it as? Like, who, do you, who would you mention, you know, would, would do good at the screenplay? And I would love for Colin Farrell to be. <laughs> 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 Acting wise or... Uh, if only if it, look, I'm only interested in that stuff if it's right. Okay. 
you know i mean i'm only interested in that that kind of that kind of junk if it's if it's with if you get to work with talented people you know i don't i don't want to work with the dudes that did want it and i don't mean that dis, i don't mean that dismissively it's just like they told me they were making wanted and i wanted to see wanted and it was a movie about it wasn't it was completely different i don't i don't want to i don't want i'm not interested interested well, what if in it that was, um, the crew who did um, the avengers which we can all agree was the best movie ever so what if it was that crew would you trust no, I don't. I don't think Josh, Josh, Josh Whedon is talented at all. I, I would never want to hear anything. Well, Alien Four may have been his stone movie, but The Avengers was his best. So. That dude's yeah. awesome. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing that guy he's does. He's doing a series with Warren awesome. Ellis, so you never know. Yeah, a little dead enders, something like that, right? Yeah. That yeah. So, one last question. Yep. And, Who else? And one Ryan one. will take his shirt off for you. Ooh. No promises. You don't get to see him without a shirt if you don't ask a question, right? I guess we'll make a smoke. Really? Wow. There you go. No fighting. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 